resurrection power it's actual and I think too long the church especially in the Western world has looked at it as theoretical but not as actual that there's actually resurrection power in the breath that God has placed in our lungs it's his breath now in our lungs and especially during these types of seasons where we go in, it's a beautiful season, holiday season, but at the same time, there seems to be like warfare for competition for our focus on the Lord. Do you understand what I mean? That warfare and some of the things that are trying to steal our appetite, trying to steal our priorities. Oh, wow, we're gonna, trying to steal what we're hungering and thirsting after, trying to get us distracted. And that is one way the enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy, is through distraction, through trying to get us to hunger and thirst after the things of the world, and not only the things, but the ways of the world. The ways of the world. So we're gonna breathe some life. We're gonna breathe life over this house of crossroads. As over the families, over the people that um, attend and are part of this house, over those who may have really struggled during the COVID, this COVID lasts almost two years of, of coming to the house of community and are feeling a little bit detached, maybe feeling a little bit um, confused about what they are supposed to do now at this point and junk. Come on, we're going to breathe life. We're going to breathe life over this house. We're going to breathe life for those who may have, are in a need of, uh, maybe there are, I just see like a body on the ground and CPR. We're going to do CPR right now, spiritual CPR right now.
right now over people, over the people associated with this house, over this house, especially for those who haven't been, you know, able to come or felt comfortable coming and, and they're feeling detached from community. Come on, we're going to breathe life. You know what let's do? Let's sing this song as a declaration, a prophetic declaration over them. Because as they enter to 2022, that they're going to get the courage to now re-enter into community. They're not going to believe the world's lies. They're not going to believe the spirit of fear. They're going to begin to once again have the breath uh, upon them. The Lord wants them to live life abundantly. Yes, even in 2021 and 2022, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. Let's sing that song, the declaration. Pentecostal fire, stirring something new.
some spiritual death. Maybe they're in some situations. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, you all call them out. You call them forth. You got some people that need to be back in the house of the Lord. You call them forth. Come on. He's all, did Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. And a lot of times we're waiting for the dead to recognize that they need to be called out. Why are we doing that? Oh, we got to respect the dead. Why don't we call them out? You got some relatives that need to be in the house of the Lord? Do you have some prodigal children? Come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to call them forth. We're going to sing this song and say, you know what? We have resurrection power in us. Come on. We have resurrection power in us. Let's My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha. If there's anything that he can do, just ask the stone that was thrown at the tomb in the garden. What happens when God sets to move? I feel him moving it now. I feel him doing it now. I feel him doing it now. Do it now. Do it now. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Dry bones in the word of the Lord. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Dry bones in the word of the Lord. Flowing through my veins 
says move, speak, believe. We call them out, Lord. We call them out. We speak what we do not yet see. do not yet see that's resurrection power flowing through your veins resurrection power flowing through your veins our God of victory he hears what you speak
is breaking our hearts as we draw closer to him he's breaking our hearts as he's making us whole but he's breaking our hearts for what breaks his <laughs> now that we're saved we're free we have revelation of the resurrection power living in us Father God, let us look back at those who are still in slavery, who are still in bondage. They don't know the freedom Christ won for them. And now we're free to go free them, to speak life over them, to pray, to intercede, to desire that they taste God's freedom. Father God, break our chains, break down the walls of our comfort, of our safety, of our freedom, God. May we use our freedom the way that you've designed us to be in freedom. So 
about this song is that it talks about breaking down our own walls a lot of times we want other things to be broken down we want um, other things to change around us but we don't think we're the ones that need to change you know what the truth is this if you change things around you will change because the ingredients have changed the ingredients of your life have changed it's interesting, as I was praying this morning for, you know, the exhortation time, the Lord just kept telling me, talk about Thanksgiving. And I said, Lord, how trite is that, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, well. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to talk about Thanksgiving. And it's interesting because we have to check our hearts and our spirits, whether we're actually thankful, because Thanksgiving is the enemy to covetousness. Now, if you look at the Ten Commandments, um, we don't really talk about them that often, but they're still um, valid. <laughs> By the way, they're still valid, the Ten Commandments. But did you know the last commandment of the Ten Commandments is, you shall not covet. Now, in my study on the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses is writing a, a moral... Uh, a moral law so that to preserve society. That was the point. And it reflected, the Ten Commandments actually reflected other uh, society's laws that were around them. There was a lot of crossover in what Moses is writing culturally. So it's not a foreign thing necessarily for there to be commandments or laws for the preservation of society. And most of those laws, generally in other societies, the laws have to do with our harm toward another. Stealing, murder, adultery. But the difference between Moses' law and the law of other societies was the law like, you shall not covet. Because covetousness, I don't know if you're coveting. I don't know if you're coveting because it's an internal attitude. Now, it leads to external behavior eventually, but it's an internal attitude. 
This is what's significant between Moses' law and the laws of other cultures around them is that God is saying, I want you to do more than just not harm other people. I want you to have a right spirit. Even before he sends the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, he's saying you have the ability to have a right spirit. Covetousness. Thou shalt not covet, which is the desire to seek and acquire anything that doesn't belong to you. Thou shalt not covet. I was, the Lord just kept bringing that back to me. It's like, man, what an old-fashioned word almost, covet. We don't talk about covetousness very much. And yet we have an epidemic of it. Our advertising, the advertising is all about covetousness. When you, when you get down to it, boils down to it. Can the advertising companies cause us to covet, believe we need something else, desire what the person on that commercial has? They look like, you know, they're... They have it all together. They get the brand new watches and then they get the brand new cars. And we think, oh, if I gain that thing, I will be fulfilled. The concept of covetousness is the attitude of a heart and it's the enemy of contentment. It's the enemy of contentment and it's the enemy of thankfulness. Because thankfulness says, I don't need, I know I have everything I need. It's interesting because thankfulness goes hand in hand with praise. Psalms 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. You have to enter into a gate before you enter into a court. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Praise. So thanksgiving is remembering what God has done for you. Being thankful. Being in the now. Not in the tomorrow of what I need, but in the now. I'm in the thanksgiving. And then praise is magnifying God's name. In other words, I look to Him. I recognize Him. That He's all I need. I want us, just in this moment, I know it's, uh, the, you know, on Thanksgiving, Thursday, and but I want us to really see the power, the spiritual power, the Holy Spirit's power of thanksgiving, to truly have a thankful heart to the Lord. Because unthankfulness is actually a sign of a corrupt generation. The sign of the unthankfulness, a need for more, a greed, a discontent, a constant discontent. And the Lord wants us, there is a power in thankfulness. There is a focus on God in thankfulness. There is a authority you have when you're thankful and the attitudes and the influences of this world don't push you or pull you into discontent to manipulate you to believe you need something outside of what God has already provided for you. You know, we're talking about muscle church and this is a muscle that we need to have is that I am thankful for what I have and I'm content with what I have. What a power that is. What a power of prosperity that is actually. 
And the Lord wants us, because our culture it really pulls us towards discontentment and hunger for things. If I, wa- I bet you if I walk through everybody's house, everybody in this room's house, you have plenty. Probably have some really big garage sales. What you bought for $50, you have to sell for 50 cents. You know what I'm saying. Come on. That, that dress you needed, and then you brought it home, and you put it on, and you're saying, you know what? This doesn't look as good as I thought it did. <laughs> Sits in your closet. Then you sell it or give it away. The fact is this. Our culture pulls us. And what the point is, is that when it's pulling us, it pulls us out of authority. Because it's in control, and we're not. The authority God has given to us. You know what I want us to do? I want you to stand, and I'm just going to read a psalm over you, a psalm of thanksgiving. And we're just going to commit to that. During this season, this is a beautiful season. It's a season of, yes, gift giving. It's a season of having celebrations. None of that is wrong. It's all very beautiful. But in the midst of that, I want us to have our focus in the right place in the thanksgiving and you know what even if there is less this year of stuff there's more thanksgiving how about that let's have more thanksgiving and less distraction psalm 34 i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul makes its boast in the lord The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us lift up his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces will never blush in shame. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Come on, you don't need to be afraid. What a blessing that is. And he rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions lack food and grow hungry, but they who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. This is your promise. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Who is a man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking conceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the heartbroken, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous. But the Lord rescues him from them all. Come on. Aren't we thankful? Come on, we're just going to give thanks to the Lord right now. Lord, we thank right now. He is near to you. He surrounds you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have kept us. 
We thank you for our health. We thank you, Lord, for the provision over our lives. Lord, we know that all things, Lord, we want to be content with what you've given to us. Lord, we don't want to hunger and thirst after the world. We want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. There is blessing for the righteous. There is safety for the righteous. And Lord, we want our heart, our heart attitude, our yearnings of our heart to be after you. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Lord, may we first and foremost keep you as our priority. Even in this season, this beautiful season, this season that globally, even nations that aren't necessarily predominantly Christian nations, they celebrate Christmas, Lord. Because, Lord, of the impact of you coming, Lord, and we know that that's true. And in the midst of this great celebration, may we keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, may we have the heart that is not covetousness, but rather a heart that is righteous, a heart that is uh, generous, a heart that's surrendered, having the right spirit, a thankful heart, a content heart. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. You are good to your children. And may we bless you at all times. May the praise of you and your name be continually on our mouths. In your name, amen. God bless you. Come on, Pastor Nick, for the announcement. Good morning, Crossroads. Ooh, great time of worship. Like, especially holidays coming. Um, we want to set our hearts right, and we are Christ to a lot of our family members. So I just want to welcome any new timers. Um, there's visitor cards in the back of the pews. You could fill it out and then slip it in the offering. Um, we have weekly emails uh, from Pastor Lynn, which is filled to the brim. Check them out. My wife's always on it, listening to it. I get blessed, too, because I'm just I over here. And that's what happens when you bring extra things into your house, is other people hear it. Your children hear it. Your parents hear it. Um, Crossroads Connect, there's all sorts of gathering opportunities. Um, youth group is still meeting. I know men's group has some days off and the women's will have some days off too. Um, make sure to check the emails that come in because during the holidays, we understand people travel. So there are some times off and we don't want you to just show up and go, oh, where is everybody? I didn't get the memo. Uh, we're sending out the memos, so check out your emails. Christmas Eve service, that's going to be December 24th, 5 to 6 p.m. It's not super long. Um, I encourage everybody to just show up. It's so amazing to fall asleep Christmas Eve. At my house, Christmas Eve was a big thing. Like, we'd open one, up one gift, get all excited, fall asleep, all pumped up to spend time with family. But... This is a time where you get to show your family what's important. 
Holy Spirit Baptism Retreat, January 20th through 21st. Uh, that's going to be amazing. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come. Your life will change. The Holy Spirit will guide you in circumstances and situations that you didn't think you could get through. Listen to the sermons online. Um, we compile them all and store them. So if you ever want to share those, even, you could share them. Um, if you take note and notice something that really struck you hard, uh, read back to it or listen back to it and save it. Um, it's all there for you guys. Daily devotionals, we have that um, coming in every day. Again, we have such amazing pastors that feed us daily and it's not just sunday that's your restart that's where you get good it's every day you're living your life out for christ um our ministry partners of the week are a pillar of fire ministry and thank you guys so much for just being faithful and supporting our partners um Pillar of Fire, sorry, let me look at my notes real quick. Pillar of Fire School is being launched tonight. Oh, sorry, Friday night. <laughs> so it's launched. Uh, we did it. This isn't just people struggling through the mud. You guys are supporting them. You're backing them up. And uh, the classes are taught by Kim, who comes to church here. So we're definitely hands-on, full support with Pillar of Fire and the school. Uh, these church planters and future ministries are able to reteach the important truths um, that Kim teaches over Zoom. And Rima is involved as well. So when you guys are praying, pray for them because they're helping to teach so they can reteach in India. Um, oh, are you going to go over the last part? Okay, cool. So we're going to go into tithes and offering. And with this, what better time to just give? It's Thanksgiving and... Let's be thankful, thankful with our resources, thankful with what we have. That means taking inventory. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I slack in that and go, oh, I don't know everything that I have. But God's calling us to be responsible with what he's given us. And that's where you're going to find the blessing, too. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, thank you for just always providing and always wanting to give. Father, I pray as we stretch our hands out and just obey, that you're just pouring into our lives, Lord, in abundance. And help us to not stray with our eyes of what you're putting in our hands, Lord. But let us be mindful and always use it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. I'm going to just talk about the, the, the two things, the ministry school that we just launched. Kim Bins and uh, Rama on Friday night um, were the first teachers for our Pillar of Fire Woo! ministry school. Now, the Pillar of Fire Ministry School is what we've begun in central India. Remember, we've, remember we've built churches, about eight churches, eight, nine churches in, in that region. And so what we're doing is we have started a ministry school to uh, develop the leaders, the pastors, those who will be church planters. We had about almost 20 students. Pastor David and I and Moses Rayo, who is the presbyter in central India, we are partnering in this. So Kim has taught the foundations of the faith class and Rama interpreted. And that was their first class, these students' first class. And the goal was for these pastors and these uh, to-be church planters, to-be associate pastors, to reteach the subject matter to uh, their people, to their churches in their Indian context. So it was a very powerful time. This is a school that is a part of us. Uh, the next class will be taught in January by my father. It'll be in the book of Romans. We're using Zoom now. When Pastor David and I and our team go in uh, March, we will teach live. So I just wanted you to know that that's what we're doing. It's because Jesus said, make disciples of the nations. To disciple means I got to train them. And most of these pastors, if not all, with the exception of Moses and his wife, do not have ministry training. They haven't gone to Bible college. They don't have any ministry training. So we are training leaders because if you don't have well-trained leaders in the Word of God, it can go awry very quickly. Right? They got to know the Word of God. So we've done that. And so you know what? Uh, Kim and Rama, you know, just love on them because that was hard work but I appreciated them so much stepping into doing that the second thing just want to say is we had just raised money for harvest loving home remember the the home in central Nepal I think we have pictures up here the ground has been broken for the harvest loving home we sent the first half of the money and the second half will go out probably this next week to build this home this is now remember we have about we have three different I hate to call them orphanages, but we'll just say that for the terminology. Orphanages that we support, New Delhi with the sex traffic kids that have been rescued, House of Hope in Central India, and this was the one in Nepal, besides the Makai House, but I'm talking about orphanages. Makai House too, I guess there's four. Um, so this is the only house, the orphanage that did not have a home. They had were renting a facility. So we recently, in the last couple of weeks, raise the money to build these children they have seven right now they're building it so that there's a, uh, a, a second story is possible so that as they have more children they can have more uh, bedrooms but it has started they will be in their home by january and you all did this I know with the Lord, you did this. And I want you to know the Lord is pleased. And so they're breaking ground. It's going deep. And God is good. Okay. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad you get to leave something besides junk around your house? Yes. You know, I don't know about you, but, I, uh, you know, I've had family members that have passed away. I've had relatives. I've been a pastor for 30 plus years and I've 
I've done a lot of funerals, and people leave a lot of junk, you know? And it's good to leave something that's going to have an e eternal effect on people's lives. And uh, thank you for that. Hey, this morning we're going to uh, jump into the sermon. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, people of the Spirit and how we're called to be faithful. Do you know that? God has called you and I to be faithful members of the kingdom of God and faithful and loyal to the Lord. You know, it's interesting that we live in a society and a culture that really devalues faithfulness. You know, we, we, we actually have product that they call seasonal clothing, you know? Do you remember when, how many of you can remember when you were younger, you had like a couple pairs of jeans or one or two pairs of shoes, but now we have clothes that you wear for just a season and then throw away, you know? And we have people, we have relationships we throw away. We have uh, things that we, we should value that we just discard. And it's interesting, when you read through the scriptures, in the Bible, there are over 1,400 references to faithful or faith and consistency with God. But yet, we live in a culture that just throws that all away. So I want to talk to you about that. And the word faithful, uh, David, were you in, the, you were in the Marine Corps, weren't you, David? Yeah, David would uh, remember this. The, in the Marine Corps, they have the, 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 the concept of the term uh, of uh, always faithful, semper fidelis. And the word, the Latin word that is used that we translate to faithful is actually that word fides. And it literally talks about always being faithful, always being committed, not wavering in what you believe. And you know, God is calling us as men and women of faith to be faithful. You can't be a person of faith unless you're faithful. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning because one of the things that's really interesting is the concept of faithfulness is basically being loyal to something, being, being so full of faith that it just bubbles out of you. You know, have you ever seen like a, uh, the, the demonstration where they take a, a, a two-liter bottle of uh, Coca-Cola and they drop some tablets in it some, and it, it foams up over and it makes like a, a volcano? That's what God's calling for you and I to be with faith. He's calling us to have a faith that isn't just contained in ourselves but a faith that overflows into other people's lives. And so when we're thinking about that, one of the things we have to uh, come to the terms with is that as God's sons and daughters, we're called to be faithful. We're called to be true. We're called to be content. We're called to be loyal to him. We're called to be devoted to him. And not just on a Sunday, not just when things are going good, but, you know, one of the things that I, I, as a pastor, that really breaks my heart is that when God has been faithful to people, they're not faithful to him. And God is calling us as a generation to rise up to a new standard, a new level, a new place of accountability with him so that we can walk as sons and daughters of the most high God, that we don't have to be ashamed of anything, but we can walk into his presence and have a, a conviction in our lives that we're, we're dedicated and committed to him. So I want to talk to you about that because if you look at Scripture, Jesus talks about faithfulness very, very clearly. And he, I love the way he describes it, you know. He describes it in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 4. He says this. this. Listen to what he says. Whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know what he's literally talking about there? He's talking about when you have the trust of a child. So, Robin, when you're teaching the children in the school and you tell them something, they're like, oh, yeah, I believe that, you know? 
One of the things I tell the kids all the time is when I'm meeting with their parents and they're leaving school at the end of the day, I said, hey, you're having a great day today, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And your mom or dad's going to take you to go get ice cream after school. And the parents just look at me like, you see, I'm a grandpa. I could do those things, you know. But what a child will hear is, you know, I'm getting ice cream. And, and the rest of the day, what are they saying to their parents? Oh, we're getting ice cream. We're getting ice cream. You know, and the parents are like, I hate you, Pastor David, you know. But what we want to do is we want to have the faith of a child that when something's told to us, we believe it. And also not just faith, but loyalty to, as a child. It doesn't matter what a child hears or what a child sees. They're always faithful to their parents. And one of the things God wants us to be is men and women who have a faith to him and a connection to him that is strong and unwaverable no matter what comes our way. It's interesting because being faithful really is about being reliable. It's about being steadfast. It's about being staunch is another word you could use for it. And in the Bible, it talks about different types of faith. So I looked at, when I was going through scripture this last week or so, I was looking at different types of faith. And what is faithful? When you look at faithfulness, one of the first qualities of faithfulness, it's one of the attributes of who God is. God is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful. You know, you and I, we can waver, we can be like hot or cold or in love with the Lord or falling, yeah, kind of like, ah. but the Lord is always faithful. And it says it in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. It says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping the covenants, I love this, of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. You know, on Thanksgiving evening, we had about 80 people here celebrating and just having a meal together. It was a great time. And one of the songs that we sang, or actually the only song we sang, was The Blessing. And what is the song of The Blessing about? It's about passing faith from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. That the Lord loves us so that your children's 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 children will be blessed. How many of you want that? How many of you want your, your great-grandchildren to be blessed? You know, we, my wife and I, we like to watch travel shows because we both have the travel bug. We, you know, we just love have, that being able to travel. And we were talking about this morning, driving up to church, how you know, we, we see these shows of Europe and these monstrous cathedrals in Europe that can have thousands and thousands of people sit in them. And they all they are now are tourist locations because the faith hasn't been passed from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that is a quality of someone that is not faithful to the Lord. And God is calling you and I to be faithful to him. He's calling us to be committed to, just like he is committed to us, one of his qualities and attributes is faithfulness. We should be faithful as well. A second one is, is uh, faithfulness is a positive characteristic of, of people. You know, and it could be, you can be a faithful person. You know, it's, it's sadness to believe that some of us have dogs that are more faithful to us than we are to God. Yeah. You know? But listen to what Scripture says in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You see, there's a quality of your life that when you're consistent, when you're faithful, when you're loyal, when you're steadfast, the Lord can give you something small and you'll be faithful with it. But if you're dishonest or disloyal, it doesn't matter what you have, it can be something small and you're still not going to treat it right. 
And the Lord is calling us as people to be faithful with the little things. You know, you think about your life. Think about some of the little things that God has given you that have actually turned into big things. I remember the, the, the first, first time I ever thought about God calling me to do something. And I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm going to give the Bible that I was given when I came to faith to someone so that they could learn the scriptures. And then it, it began something in me of just giving away the scripture, giving away the word of God, proclaiming the word of God. And I'm, I'm the pastor I am now because God has called me to disperse the word of God to other people. And God is calling you and I in the little things. You know, one of the problems with people is we always want to do this grandiose thing, yeah. but we don't want to start with something small. But, you know, if you don't start with something small, you're never going to get to something big because there's a, a process of growth that happens in the small things. When you're faithful in the little, God says, okay, now I can entrust you with more. The third thing is if you look at faithfulness in Scripture, it's actually referred to as one of the gifts of the Spirit. If you look in the book of Galatians, and we won't read all of them, but look what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So if you're telling me that you're a person that's full of the Spirit, you better have all of these qualities in increasing measure in your life. But one of them that you have to have is faithfulness. Faithfulness, you can't say, well, it's like pick and choose, you know? It's like it's not like you're going to the convenience store and you're going to the candy aisle and you say, well, I like M&Ms and I don't like Mars, but I like Snickers and I, li I don't like... You know, you, you have to have this quality and have it increasing in you more and more as a follower of Christ. Because it's interesting, the word, the word that's used in the New Testament for the word faithful is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it is a word that talks to us about the, the quality of who God is, and it's used to talk about holding steady and holding fast to something. So if, if like the quality of God, if, as God is faithful, he is holding on to us. Even when we're trying to struggle to get away, you know? How many of you remember that? The Lord's trying to get your, get your life, and you're like, I don't really know if I want this, but the Lord's holding on to you. He's going to be faithful to you. He's going to be consistent to you. And he says that one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to allow you to develop a strength of character based upon your understanding of his commitment to you so that you can be committed to him and to others like, like that way, that same manner. And so faithfulness is really about the covenantal relationship that God has with us and we have with him. Right. It's a binding relationship. It's a court order. It's like you're being called and summoned by the court of the Almighty to say, I want you to be faithful to me because I've already proven my faithfulness to you. Hear me? Yeah. And then the fourth quality, the fourth characteristic is it's also, it's interesting in Scripture because Scripture tells us that this is also a characteristic that some people really lack, that they don't, they don't have. Look what it says in the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 6. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. You know, Jesus is not stumped by the way people view him or stumped by the way people interact with their, their, their faith relationship. And, and one of the things that is interesting in this, the Gospel of uh, Mark, chapter 6, verse 6, it says Jesus was, was amazed. Just think about it. The God of all creation is amazed that his creation could lack faith. 
He's like, oy vey, what's going on with these people, you know? They just, they don't get it. You know, here I am going around doing miracles, healing people, doing something supernatural, and they're like, I don't believe, you know? How many times have you shared the gospel with someone and they've said, I don't believe? And then you're just amazed, you know? And if, if you're walking as a person of faith, sometimes you have to step back and realize that there are people that just haven't had their eyes open and their ears unplugged to hear the truth of the message. And you know what he's calling you and I to do? To be the spokespersons for that so that we can communicate the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God to those that lack faith. Remember, a person that doesn't believe, an atheist is literally the A in front of the word theist means one that doesn't believe in God. And so what we need to do, we need to live our life so consistent and so faithful to the Lord that they say, I don't know what it is in you, but there's something different about you, and I want to know what, you're, I want to know what you have. I want to know what makes you have peace in the middle of all this confusion. I want to know what gives you a sense of trust where you can trust a God when everything else around you seems like it's falling apart. And you can say, I know who I believe, and I know he's able to keep me. And you live out your scripture. Your scripture isn't just something you do on a one day a week but it's who you are as a person. It moves in you and it gets in your life in such a way it transforms you. And if you know, you look in scripture, there's, there's tons of illustrations of it. And I, I love the passage in the gospel of Luke because it, it's really the, the description, the teaching that Jesus gives of what it means to be faithful. So in Luke 16, I want to look at, read a few verses. We're not going to go through everything and unpack all of it, but there's a, a really powerful message to us in this passage of Scripture about what God wants to do. Look what it says. And Jesus told the disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Ooh, there, you could stop right there and do a whole sermon series on that. How many of us are wasting what the, ma the manager, the Lord, has given us? You know, some of us have talents and abilities that we haven't been faithful to develop. That's one thing I really appreciate about you, Kim, is that you've developed a teaching gift. And, and we introduced Kim as our professor of foundations of faith because she has been a faithful teacher of the word of God. And something happens when you, you start to begin, you say, well, I don't have all the skill set. You know what? When you're faithful to God in the little, yeah. he pours out more and more on you. And so many people, I just, I want to start with the big, I want to have a big crowd, but man, sit around and talk with one person about the Lord, yeah. you know? And he says, and he says, look at they were wasting their possessions. So we called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Man, that'd be scary if the Lord did that every time we wasted our, our, our resources, huh? That you give an account of your management because you cannot be uh, a manager any longer. The man so basically, he's getting fired from his responsibility in verse uh, 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 2. And then the manager said to him, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job and I'm not strong enough to dig. He's been softened in the office. He hasn't worked out in the field, right? And he says, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He's trying to come up with a strategy of how to save himself, you know? So he called uh, in each uh, one of the master's debtors, and he asked them first, how much do you owe me? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quietly, and make it 450. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe me? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. 
And the master commended this dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people uh, of this uh, world are not shrewd in dealing with their own kind, or excuse me, are, are more shrewd. <laughs> Glasses. Here, let me read it off there. Uh, I can't even see that. My eyes are going, you know. Sorry, my grandkids are in town. It's been rough, you know. And I always said, don't blame them. I'm faithful in wearing my glasses. I should be faithful sermon illustration of wearing your glasses. Uh, no, my glasses are over there. Uh, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind uh, than are the people in the light. And I will tell you. Thank you, dear. I can see clearly now. Okay. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. So when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy, listen to this. Listen, this is really important as believers. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who can trust you with true riches? I'll tell you, that's, that's a word for us. You know, a lot of times we think worldly wealth is really what it's all about. How much can I amass in my savings? How much is my house worth? How much is in my retirement plan? And God's saying that's really not even really real wealth. And then he goes on, he says this, verse 12. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? That's really good for employees. If you're not faithful to work as a good employee, God's not going to give you something else. And then he says here, and this is the verse that most of us can, uh, can quote, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you're devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then the Pharisees who love money heard this and were sneering at Jesus. What is sneering? Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, get out of here, you know, talking, trash talking about Jesus. And then in verse 15, I love it. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of other, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in the sight of God. So it's interesting. One of the qualities you see here in the text is God is really promoting the concept of faithfulness. He's promoting the concept of how are we faithful compared to the people around us. You know, see, because one of the things that's interesting, you and I can have different giftings and different opportunities presented before us. But the one common denominator all of us have is the the ability that we should excel in faithfulness. You know, you may not have, have, have ever gotten to go and go to college but you're called to be faithful in what you're doing. You know, Scripture says that whatever you do, do it all as unto the Lord. It's not only one component of our life that we do to the Lord, but everything we do should be done to the Lord. So when we're talking about faithfulness, Jesus is basically showing us here that the steward, although he was was unfaithful, he wasted resources, he's commended for the way that he strategized to reclaim some of those resources he's lost. And then what is interesting, Jesus talks to us in this concept of what our faithfulness is. It's faithfulness in every area of our life. The small things, in your finances, in how you treat one another, in how you value what the Lord has given you. You know, one of the things we've always taught our our children is everything that we have belongs to the Lord. 
So what, what you have and what you possess, it's a, actually a gift to you for the, from the Lord, and you should value it and honor it and treat it with honor. Why? Because that's being faithful in what you have. So what are some of the characteristics of faithfulness? Faithfulness is really, it's required by all of the servants of the Lord. If you are a servant of the Lord, if you're a, a follower of Christ, you are called to demonstrate Christ living in you by having a spirit of faithfulness. Look what 1 Corinthians 4.2 says. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. God has given us a trust. And if you look at this verse in context, in the rest of chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, it's talking about how there should, there's going to be an inspection of how we handle things. And as a follower of Christ, we should be open to having the Lord inspect us to make sure we're good stewards. Do you know that? That the Lord is calling you and I to be faithful, and we shouldn't be saying, well, don't judge me. You can't talk to me, God. But we should say, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked ways in me. If there's any way that's unclean, any way that's not living right for you, including not being faithful, God, search out my heart. And it's interesting because faithfulness is really associated with the concept of honoring the Lord. When you are honoring the Lord, you're proving yourself to be faithful. And you can go through scriptures. I, I, I have a list here of just some of the people in scripture. In Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Phoebe was commended for her faithfulness to the Lord. In 1 Peter 5, 12, Silas was, it says, Silas is regarded as a faithful brother. Wouldn't you love to have that as your, your description of the Lord? Not something you write on your gravestone, but something the Lord writes on you, that the, you're a faithful person. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, which is talking about the example of how do we live? We live like the Lord does. How does the Lord live? He lives a faithful life. Silas, in 1 Peter 5.12, he was regarded as a faithful brother. Here's one that you don't really hear a lot about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. Uh, Tychicus, he was a dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, Ephorus, a dearly beloved uh, servant who is a faithful minister uh, of Christ on, the, on our behalf. In Colossians, the slave Onesimus was a faithful and dear brother. And Hebrews tells us that Moses, in, in Hebrews 3, 2, that Moses was what? Was faithful in all God's house. You see, there is a quality of God's servants that we should emulate what it means to be a faithful person. A second quality is basically that we are consistent and not erratic in our faith. You know, one of the things is, uh, I'll be completely honest, I, I'll always be honest with you, but one of the things that really annoys me as a pastor is what I call yo-yo Christians. You know what a yo-yo Christian is? You know, it's like the old camp song, when they're up, they're up, and when they're down, they're down, and when they're neither up or down, you know, that's kind of where they're at. But we have some Christians that are high loving Jesus and then going low and not wanting to serve the Lord. And then they're praising the Lord and then they're crashing and burning. We have to be consistent. We have to be faithful. And the way we become consistent is we're steadfast in what we do. We're not jumping after the big things. We're just being faithful in the little. And we're proving ourselves to the Lord. And we're growing in it. And if you look at the, the book of Proverbs, look what it says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19. How would you like to have this description of you? Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in the time of trouble. <laughs> you know? Do you ever break a tooth? You know, we first moved here, I had a crown that came off. 
and it was Thanksgiving Day. It was it Thanksgiving or Christmas Day, right? One of the holidays. And I remember I was sitting there, and I was eating, and all of a sudden, my, one of my crowns, because, you know, as a pastor, one of my favorite hymns is Crown Him with Many Crowns, and I have, I have crowns all over inside. And I went to eat something, and one of my crowns fell out, and I'm like, oh, my Lord. And we found a doctor. And my wife had a broken foot right before we went to Israel one year, and she hobbled all over the Holy Lands. It was hobbling with Holy One, you know? And, and you know, it, that is not a description you want as a person, Right? That your tooth that has fallen out or your tooth that is broken or your foot that is broken, that you can't depend upon it. And what the scripture is talking about here is that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be faithful. So look at the example in the, in the Old Testament in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when Nehemiah was in the process of leaving Jerusalem and returning to Persia, look what it says in Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 2. And I put my brother Hanai and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem. For Hananiah was more faithful. Listen, wouldn't you love to have this description of you? He was more faithful and a God-fearing man than many of the others. Talk about a description of who you should be. God is calling us as men and women not to be inconsistent, but to be consistent. We're called to be oaks of righteousness. Now, the difference between an oak of righteousness and a weeping willow is a weeping willow sways, an oak stands firm. And God's calling us to be faithful in everything that we do. Another thing that we could look at is, is a quality is, is that quality shows that uh, our initiative is to become productive. We are called to be productive in the kingdom of God. What do I mean by this? By we have the power and the authority and the opportunity that God has given to each of us to do what he's called us to do. You know, if, if you and I, uh, this is interesting as a pastor, I hear, I hear people say this to me all the time. Well, pastor, why doesn't our church do this? And I always tell people, well, if God's calling or stirring your mind to do something, maybe you're the one to do it. No, 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 not me, not me. I, I'm, just a, I'm just a person here giving critical evaluations of everything. You know, everyone could be critical, but we're called to be faithful. Amen. We're not called to be critical. We're called to be faithful. And, and, and one of the things that I love about this church and why we can do so much globally is because we are faithful in our stewardship. Amen. You know, we're sowing into people. We're sowing into nations. We're sowing into projects. We're sowing into partners. Why? Because as our faithfulness grows, so does the kingdom of God. And so one of the things that we're called to do here, it's interesting, if you look at the, the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verse 16, it's, listen to this. It says, this is an interesting verse. Matthew 25, 16, and the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and did what? Gain five more bags. How many of you would like to take all your investments right now and double them? This is not a Ponzi scheme. I'm not, we're not coming up with it. But wouldn't you love for the Lord to take everything that you have and double it? That is what happens when we're faithful. Because somehow in the process of us being faithful, God works the details together. God gives you a divine strategy. God gives you a plan. God gives you an, an opportunity of how to do it. And he says, if you will follow my plans and purposes, I'll have you prosper. And it's not just talking about money, but it's talking about relationships. It's talking about all the things that you and I invest in, all the things that we build, all the things that we're trying to do. And the examples that we see in Scripture Prove the point that God is faithful to us when we're faithful to him. Look what the prophet Ezekiel says in Ezekiel chapter 36. 
starting at verse 20, 25 through verse 27. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and, I will, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all the impurities, from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, to be careful to keep all my laws. You know what happens when we surrender our life to the Lord? He does a spiritual deep cleaning, you know? And I don't, I don't care how young or how old you are in the Lord, you should always be open to the Lord's Holy Spirit deep cleaning. Amen. You know, I, I, one of the things that bothers me as a pastor, there's lots of things that bothers me as a pastor when we're talking about faithfulness, but people that say, well, I've been, I've been serving the Lord for years, yeah. but are you faithful in serving the Lord? Yeah. There's a difference between longevity and loyalty. Yeah. And what God is calling us to be is to be to, to have loyalty over longevity. And I'm not trying to say we should not have longevity, but we should have loyalty to the Lord. And the Lord wants to work in our heart. And I love this passage in Ezekiel because it talks about allowing the washing of the word of God over us. And something happens to you and I when we're washed with the word. We're transformed, we're renewed, we get the mind of Christ and how the Lord wants us to live our life. You see, there's a difference between what you want to do with your life and what the Lord wants you to do with your life. You know, I never, ever wanted to be a pastor. I remember telling the Lord, I'm not, not me. I'm not going to go into the ministry. I'm not going to go to grad school, and I'll never go to seminary. And I went to the Assemblies of God Graduate School, and the last year they changed it to the Assembly of God uh, Seminary. And I, I remember saying, oh, I'm never going to live here. I'm never going to live here. Lord, I'm not going to do this. And every time I said that to the Lord, I said, oh, yeah? Let me show you what you're going to do. You're going to be faithful, and you're going to be loyal. Right. You're, you know, I remember when we left, we left our church up in Washington, we moved overseas, I said, I will never pastor again. Yeah. Some of you are saying, really? Should have kept that promise, David. Sorry, too late. You know, because the Lord had a plan and purpose. Yeah. And what we do is we stand back and we say, Lord, wash over me with your word. Cleanse me, Lord. If there's any, any ways in my life that are unclean, unpure, if I, have, if I have not been faithful to you, Lord, wash that out of me. And then he says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Right. You see, one of the things that happens, why we're not faithful to the Lord is because we have a hard heart and a cold spirit. And God's asking us to have a soft heart and a tender spirit so that we're sensitive to what the Lord is saying, so that we can hear that still, small voice. You know, a lot of times we want to be like the great prophets in Scripture, and we want to do something powerful. But you know what they did? They, they listened, and they had their ear to the Lord. And, and, and they, they put their head on the, on, the, on the chest of the Lord and said, Lord, let me hear your heartbeat. Let, what, is, what, do you, what is your desire, Lord? Not my desire. You know, even Jesus said that, Lord, let not my will be done, but yours be done. Lord, let this cup pass from me. But what Jesus said is, I, I, I'm going to do the will of the Father. And you know what that's about? That's about the quality and a characteristic of being faithful. Right. Right. Oh, that's good. What does the Lord require of you? Micah 6, 8. That's what the Lord requires of you. He says, this is what is, I love this, O mortal, you, you know, so many times we think we're, we're eternal creatures. We are eternal creatures, but we have a lifespan on this earth, you know? And when the lifespan is over, the Lord's going to judge us according to this. He says, this is what is good. This is what the Lord requires of you, to act justly, which is literally talking about doing what is right. He says, loving mercy, which is being merciful and being a dispenser of mercy to people, because as you're, as you're faithful to the Lord, the Lord's going to cultivate an attitude in you of how to treat other people. 
You know, I don't know about you, but I would rather be a dispenser of mercy than law. Right. You know, because the very same way I'm going to judge other people, the Lord is going to judge me. And if you're always being critical, that means expect others to be critical of you. But if you're a person that's dispersing mercy to other people, expect mercy to come back to you. And he says, not only that, but to walk humbly with your, your God. And that's talking about having a spirit of humility. We're not thinking you have it all together, not thinking you've got, you're, the, you're the cream of the cream. But you say, Lord, I'm just a, you know, that's why Paul said at the end of his life, I'm the chief of sinners. Why? Because he was walking in humility. He learned that God was calling him to be faithful and not to be arrogant. How many of you love arrogant people? You know, how many of you love being around people that are arrogant and obnoxious? You know, you know, what do you usually do? You go, oh, thank Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'm not like that. Right. You know, unless you're like that. And it's Lord, forgive me. That's where you go back to Ezekiel 36 and say, Lord, cleanse me. You know, give me a clean heart. Give me a pure heart. And then the last quality is this. It's a quality that I think in, in, in reality is really hard to find. Faithfulness, unfortunately, is, is kind of like finding a, a difficult, uh, uh, a precious jewel. And look what it says in the, in the book of Proverbs. I love this. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. And why is it hard to find Faithfulness. Well, if you look at Scripture, the words that are used in the Proverbs here, and Proverbs, I, I love the book of Proverbs because it's kind of like a chapter a day. It's kind of like your spiritual medicine. And Proverbs 20, uh, verse 6 says that many people, basically the multitude of people, the majority of people, the masses of people aren't faithful. How do we know that? Look around. You know, every Sunday morning, I'm amazed at people that are faithful to exercise, faithful to walking their dogs, Faithful to all these things on a Sunday, but not faithful to church. Not faithful or committed to what God's called them to do. Not faithful to their responsibilities, you know? And what Scripture says is not only that, but many, they do what? They claim. They promote themselves to be something that they're not. And the Word of God is challenging us to not be like the masses who, 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 who claim to be one thing and do something else. You know what Jesus, you know why Jesus was so upset with the Pharisees? is because they were hypocrites. And they were claiming to be one thing, but they lived something else. And I'll tell you, God is not calling you and I to be spiritual hypocrites. God's calling you and I to be spiritually faithful, that no matter how you are sliced, people see the same thing. You know, that you are consistent on a Sunday morning, just like you are uh, when you're at work, just that you are when you're non-Christian friends, just when you're uh, with your family members, you're the same person. And God is calling us to that. And he says that this is what he wants to do. He says faithfulness is not about promoting yourself. Faithfulness is about promoting God. Listen to what uh, Philippians says in Philippians 2. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. Wouldn't you love to have that description? That God has no one else like you who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not for the interest of Christ. Let me tell you something about faithful people. Faithful people don't promote themselves. They promote the Lord. Faithful people are about being faithful to what God has called them to do. And, and, and the truth is, if you and I are living a life that we have the escape plan, we have the opportunity to lead people into freedom. We have the opportunity for people to be set free from bondage. And we don't give it. Is that being faithful? 
you know? I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday, and he said he watched the documentary of the, the children trapped in the underground caves in the Philippines. And he said, you know, that if you remember that story when it was unfolding in the news, they brought in all these experts. They brought in U.S. Navy SEALs. They brought in all these people that could do it, and none of them could rescue the children except for the people that were untrained. They, they weren't the professionals doing it, but they were just people that were doing it over and over and over. They went caving all their lives, and they had some of the equipment that not even the, the specialists had, and they were able to rescue those children. Why? Because they had repeatedly done what they've been practicing doing. And God is calling you to repeatedly do what he's called us to do. And that's to have a soft heart and a tender heart and a pure heart. And then he says this, if you're going to do that, it really demonstrates the quality of what your heart's about. You know, one of my life verses is, is the, prophet, the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it's interesting because it says, I, for I know the plans I have for you. You know, you know the plans the Lord has for you? That you and I would be faithful that we would be consistent, that we would be oaks of righteousness, that we would be people that when the winds of life blow, we stand firm. Sure, you may sway a little bit in the, way, in the wind, but you know what? Your, your anchor is Christ, and your anchor is built upon that. And then he says this. He says, and I will, I will prosper you. He's not just talking about your finances. He's talking about holistically blessing your life blessing your relationships, blessing your thought life, blessing your health life, blessing every part of you. And then he says, and, and not only that, his plans are not to harm you, but to do what? To give you hope and a future. You know, success in God's view is not us amassing a lot of stuff. Success in God's view is loving God. You will love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all of your strength. That's what God's calling us to do. And when we do that, we will demonstrate to others around us the faithfulness of God. You see, you and I are the epistles that are read by non-believers. We are the books of the Bible that non-believers read. And how many times have we been unfaithful in the way we're supposed to live for the Lord and believers say, well, if that's the way you live, why can't I live the way I live? Versus saying, no matter how you slice me, every day I'm the same person. You know? In the morning, I, I, I usually have an espresso and an everything muffin, everything bagel. And, you know, one, about, a, about a month or so ago, I got a, a pack of everything bagels. And normally, you know, if you have a bagel and it's this big around, it's sliced in half, right? And I got this, opened up this packet of, of bagels and the one side of the bagel was like about the, as thick as a pencil, and the other side was really fat. And I remember trying to force it into the toaster, you know? And you had one part that dropped in really easy, and the other one I had to force in. You know, and I forced it, not thinking as I forced it in, that when it cooks, it's going to get hard. And I had to unplug the toaster and take a knife and stick it in and pop it out. You know what? We don't want to be forced out of something. We don't want to be forced into what God's called us to do. God's called us to be faithful. And when you're consistent, you're faithful on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. You're faithful when you're around believers and you're faithful around unbelievers. You're faithful when you're in church and you're faithful when you're at work. And God is calling us as a generation to raise the standard of who we are as men and women of faith to say, you know what, Lord, cleanse me. 
So right now, Lord, right now, we ask, if there's anything in our lives, those of us that are listening, those of us that are seated here, if there's anything in our lives, oh God, I pray that, God, you pour out your spirit upon us right now, like you said in the prophet Ezekiel, and that, Lord, you will give us a new heart, and you'll give us a new spirit. God, I pray that our hearts have gotten hardened in any areas, Lord, if we've been trying to do it on our own and not trying to acknowledge you and, and, and giving you the opportunity to come in and put your Holy Spirit searchlight on our life. I pray that right now, God, you would take away that heart of stone. And I pray that, God, you would give us a heart of flesh. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us, Lord, in such a way that we would follow not some of your decrees, not most of your decrees, but, Lord, we'd follow all of your decrees, that we'd follow all of your laws, that we'd be consistent, Lord, in doing the right thing every time, that, Lord, we could be like the prophet Micah, that we would, we would live a life that is doing right and being merciful and walking in humility before you, God. And I pray that, Father, each and every one of us here, that, Lord, we will be challenged today to walk into a deeper, more committed relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit right now would search our heart. Lord, if there's anything that we need to confess before you right now, we ask, Lord, you would forgive us. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're listening to this message this morning, and there's something in your heart that you're saying, you know what, Lord, I, I, need to, I need to turn this over. I haven't been faithful. It's not by happenstance. It's not by circumstance that you're here. It's by the divine will and purpose of the Lord for you to be here. And the Lord wants you to know. He wants you to turn that over to him. He wants you to repent from that, to turn from that, and ask for forgiveness. So if that's you this morning. I want you just to ask for forgiveness right now. Lord, we ask for you to forgive us, Lord, for the areas in our life that we have been unfaithful. And Lord, we ask that you would help us not to be wishy-washy in our faith, that you would not have us be two-faced in our faith, that you'd not have us be one way on a Sunday and the rest of the days of the week another. But Lord, I pray that you would make us consistent as men and women of faith. I pray that, God, we would walk the same way on a Thursday afternoon as we do Sunday morning in the church, that we'd be consistent when we're in your presence and when we, we think you're not around, Lord, we, the, although we know you're everywhere we go. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be faithful and consistent in all areas. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would give us a passion to love you in every area of our life, Father. And we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us as we worship. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to whatever you want to and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to and I will make and I will make a room for you my Lord to do whatever you
faithfulness has everything to do with whether the gospel of Jesus Christ will be passed to the next generation. Your faithfulness to your family, to your children, to your, your, your faithfulness. You know what? Pastor David mentioned we like travel shows and the cathedrals that are empty and something happened there. Something happened that it wasn't passed on. Something, maybe it was religion and lack of relationship. Because any good relationship actually has faithfulness. It's not a good relationship unless it's, there's faithfulness. Amen. We all in this room have one common denominator. We all have the same appointment in our lives. At the end of the day, every last one of you will sit, stand face to face with Jesus. Every last one of you. And he's going to give you an account. And you say, oh, is that scare tactics? I'm going to tell you that's the truth. That's the truth. And he's, he's going to want to know, have you been faithful? You know, the older I get, the more I have an extreme passion that the next generation gets the baton handed to them. With healthy relationship with Jesus. Not religion, not empty religion, but healthy relationship with the reality of who he is in our lives that he is, Jesus is, meaningful, powerful, present, real in this generation. But that has to do with my faithfulness, not just in, oh, click, check, check in the boxes, I do this and do that and do that. That's empty religion. It's the vibrancy of my relationship with him being felt to other people. That's faithfulness. Yesterday, we took our kid, grandkids to the boardwalk. I think I got whiplash as a result. I rode the, the great, what do they call it? The big white thing. Big Dipper four times with my grandchildren. David rode it one time. I rode it four times. Okay. Now I'm getting sidetracked. But in the boat, so pray for my whiplash. But anyway, the point is, on our way home, we were driving in the car with our older three. We have five grandchildren, older three. And we passed by the church that we got married because we got married in Watsonville, Green Valley Christian Center. My dad was the pastor at that time. So we said, that's where grandma and grandpa got married. And we've been married for 32 years. And they're all, oh, that's neat. That's neat, grandma and grandpa. They were all responding. And I said, and we'll be married until we die. 
And I thought they need to know faithfulness. They need to see faithfulness. They need to feel faithfulness. Let us pass on this house, Pastor David and I, as long as we're your pastors, this house is going to be built strong on a rock to endure from generation to generation the storms that will come. The storms will come. We're going to build this house in Morgan Hill, the, this region in California. No matter what people say about California, they say all kinds of dirty dog things. I don't care what they say. We're called here. Oak of righteousness. Light, uh, a light that cannot be hidden. Uh, a powerhouse. Uh, unshakable. Come on. Why? Why? Because we're going to be faithful. Not how we feel, but what we know. We don't go, oh, you know, I don't feel like being faithful. I am faithful no matter how I feel. Come on. We know, that's what it means to be faithful. That's it. You want to know the vision of this house? From generation to generation. When Pastor David and I are, hopefully not in a, a little home rocking, but whatever. There's a point where we won't be your pastors. Not soon. Okay, I'm not saying anything. But this house will be a house that stands. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we commit to faithfulness right now. We commit to being faithful so that your word, your gospel will go from generation to generation. Lord, we commit this house to be faithful, faithful to your word, faithful to who you are, no matter what the culture around swirls, no matter what the philosophies of the world that try to dominate and to influence and to convince. Lord, we stand upon your word, upon your truth. We're going to be faithful to you. Lord, we believe, Father, in your word. And Father, we know that you have called this house to be an oak of righteousness from generation to generation to generation to generation the blessings of God the favor of God the presence of God over this house Lord and Father all we have to do in this moment is to commit Lord we're faithful to you we're faithful to you and Lord you make it all happen and we thank you Lord for your faithfulness to us in your precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving with your family and friends.
is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. You are all I'm chasing now. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. 